Look at my butt. Show number 182 of Look at His Butt. LT and JK Talk Trek. Well, ponder the mystery of everything. Really? And I'm pondering the mystery of why my computer was so strange a few minutes ago. <laughs> that was bizarre. It was very strange. But it's working now, so we're cool. Yes. So, so even yes. though I'm using a Windows machine again, which is just scaring the hell out of me right now, but it's okay. I'll be good. That's probably what threw my Mac off. <gasps> That's true. It thought it was talking to my Mac, and it wasn't. It was like, what's yeah. at the other end of the line? This is crazy. Yeah. It was scary for my poor yeah. pewter. So let's just say um, Bill's album is out. Yes. I don't have it yet. I haven't gotten a hold of it because I was too busy to buy it. But I did watch the video for Ponder the Mystery a couple of times. So did I. (laughs) It's pretty wacky as a video goes. Oh, yes. I I think the song is better than the video is, Um, in my opinion. I think they're both kind of not good. (laughs) (laughs) Am I, am I allowed to I say that? I think allowed to say that. I think we're allowed to not like stuff. Okay, yeah. Um, I wasn't real impressed with it. And it's the one with rainbow pictures, and I'm not in it. Yeah. Which, of course, would have at least made it much better in my mm. opinion. <laughs> you can really tell that the music and the words were done separately. Oh, yes. Which annoys the heck out of me. Like, why did he decide to go Mm -hmm. that way? Because I think that was really the strength of Has Been, was that he was working with Ben Folds and with all the other people in the studio on the songs. And this time, he was really Mm -hmm. clear that he had written the words, and then Billy Sherwood did the music, and then everything was put together. But it it doesn't work. I just don't think it works that well as a song. It was like an interesting attempt at a song, but it wasn't a really interesting song. If you go to Amazon, you can listen to little snippets from each of the songs on the record. And I tweeted the link to that. Um, so you can hear, like, I don't know, 15 seconds or so of each song. And some mm-hmm. of them sounded more interesting than others. So I'm looking forward okay. to listening to the whole thing before um, I render a complete opinion on it. But, right. you know, it's not going to be another has-been, unfortunately. No. No, um, and I read an interview earlier today where Bill was talking about, you know, writing this stuff, and the interviewer said, so it sounds like, you know, the writing is really important to you, writing the material, and he says, yes, I'm thinking about what do I want to write next, and I'm thinking, Bill, you should you should do covers, and, and, and you know, limit the writing or have a much better editor mm-hmm. than, and uh, producer than what you had this time because part of what made has been work was it was you know sort of the cream of the crop i don't know what the rest of the crop was and also it was highly personal yeah and again i've only heard the one song but to me that was just very general that really had nothing to say about bill or his point of view or his life or anything it was just musings (laughs) <laughs> random, yeah. random musings. Yeah. So um, here's what Maynard has um, Facebook to us about Ponder the Mystery. He's talking about the video. And he says, what happened to Bill's tie? Was he in a fight? <laughs> and then this, I love, he says, love the video with Bill wandering into a concrete highway barrier like a homeless person. <laughs> That's true. I was wondering how they filmed some of that, you know. 
I know. Like there's Bill just wandering around and Jura and the cars. Well, a lot of by. it was filmed filmed on his property because I recognize that. Oh, artwork. okay. That you know those statues mm-hmm. and things. Okay. Um, my favorite line from the whole thing though was um. The romance of celibacy. Yes. <laughs> what the heck would you know about that, Bill? Uh, well, yeah. Of any kind of celibacy. Really? So, um, I don't know. Uh, well, it's out there. and it's, It is out there, and we will be listening to the whole thing and getting back to you. But I have to ask you a yes. question. I'm going to expose my ignorance here. What exactly is Prague <laughs> well, Rock? Well, it's... What separates it from any other kind of it's rock? It's funny you mentioned that because I've had some fairly long discussions about this with um, both um, some guy and also um, <laughs> my brother, my older brother, who is mm-hmm. all things music and knows everything. So we had these long discussions about what prog rock is, and people have different definitions. And I think classically, prog rock is stuff that's more like um, early yes. So if you think of th- things like Roundabout, where it's not mm-hmm. hard rock, it's it's like more like classical music where there are themes that come in and they come out, and there might be long solos, and you know it's it's more melodic in some ways, and it, the songs tend to be really long. You know, they're, they're mm-hmm. exploratory in some ways. That's what I think of. And some people have different ideas about what it is. That song, Ponder the Mystery, does not sound like prog rock to me. <laughs> Real, like, it's not what I would call. It just sounds like kind of a light, you know, song with some nice guitar playing that's in it. But it's not experimental in any way. Right. It's not boundary pushing. Um, it's not things that I haven't heard before. It's just music. Okay, well, I have to tell you what my first reaction was to, to hearing it um, on the musical part of it, not on Bill speaking or the lyrics, which is the the beat, the hmm. rhythm, and the harmonies of the people going, ponder the mystery, or whatever they're singing mm-hmm. over and over. I don't know why this came into my <laughs> mind, but I swear... It sounded like the Archies. <laughs> Maybe it is. Maybe it's the Archies backup singers. The Archies on acid or something, you know, because they just, you know, kept repeating that. And to me, that's very typical of, of Archies music is mm-hmm. you get one little, little, I, I don't know, I, I don't, I don't even know what to call it. One little rap, one little, you know, little, theme and just yeah. keep playing it. Sugar, sugar. <laughs> under the mystery. You know, I mean. <laughs> So I'm not real impressed with the first cut. No, it was nice to see Bill in the video, though, kind of hoofing it around, you know, looking at stuff, (laughs) looking at the camera, doing his his Shatnerisms. I I liked when he raised both his hands into the air. That was very Shatner. (laughs) It was. It really was. (laughs) He didn't point, though. I wish he had pointed. No, he didn't point, and he didn't do a gratuitous shoulder roll. No, he did not. Well, I don't think Bill's going to be doing too many of those. I wish he had done a Shatner swallow. That would have been perfect. (sighs) Well, we all wish for that. <laughs> and there was no pudding either. No pudding. Jeez. Total, total failure. Total failure. Yeah. This is a the disaster. disaster. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. Maybe prog rock is not really a medium conquered yet. Oh, that could be. Well, let's see what the rest of the album is oh, like. Oh, yeah. Let's you know, see. Let's see. There could be better stuff on there for okay. sure. Okay. <sighs> 
So I want to switch quickly to a quick movie review. Oh, please. I saw Gravity. Mm-hmm. And it's a very good movie. I, I liked it a lot, but I, I have um, one, one silly comment, and then I have to take on movie criticism in general. Uh, my silly comment is that uh, George Clooney should not wear a spacesuit <laughs> because it makes him look like Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> and I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. Every time he showed up, about the giggles. So... <laughs> Okay, that's too funny, and you're so right. <laughs> Did he start singing the song, the uh, Buzz no. Lightyear song? With, no, with Bill but I was really it? hoping at the end of the movie that that would be the, the song over the credits to Infinity and Beyond. But oh, my God. Okay, but, um, that's too funny. <clears throat> okay. Go on. <laughs> so here's the thing. Like I say, I thought it was a really good movie. Um, but... And I really want your response, and I really want our listeners' response to this, because this is um, just my own very personal reaction to to movies and movie criticism. And I want to know, am I completely whacked, or do other people watch movies the way I do? Um, there are people going, this is great, this is incredible, this is stunning. And after I saw it, you know, I'm, I read some reviews and everything. And I think what those people are reacting to with great stunning and everything else like i said it's it's a good movie is um is the the cinematic and the technical achievement of it mm-hmm. um for instance after seeing it and then reading some stuff i found out that the first shot is 15 minutes long wow which is yeah hugely amazing right but I'm never aware of that shit when I'm watching a movie. <laughs> yeah. The only time I notice if a shot is really long is if it involves dancing. Mm, yeah. Because, you know, I'll appreciate that with Fred Astaire and with Gene Kelly and with everybody else. I'm just, you know, watching for the story, watching for the characters. And so, you know, when they're, they're going on about, you know, these great achievements in 3D, which still to me just makes things look like... It, it gives it depth of field, but not depth of, of, of reality. Mm-hmm. Everybody looks kind of like, you know, cutouts from uh, South Park. <laughs> I mean, the mm-hmm. actors themselves look flat. But when they're going on and on about, you know, the the, uh, the shots and the, you know, the like I said, the very long shot and everything, I'm going, I'm sure that contributes to appreciation for... Um, film critics and, and film students and filmmakers and stuff, but I consider myself pretty much an average movie watcher, mm-hmm. and that has nothing at all to do with my experience. Mm. Um, the only time I will, like I said, I notice long shots if they're dancing, and I will notice, if I notice the camera work, it's because it's distracting me. Mm-hmm. And specifically, um, a few years ago, I was watching... The movie, I think it's called Elizabeth or Elizabeth the First, where Kate Blanchett plays Queen Elizabeth the First. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, 45 minutes into it, I said, I can't watch this anymore because the director was so in love with overhead spinning shots. Oh, ooh, that's horrible. Blech. And it was making me dizzy. And it's like the lens flare thing. If I'm noticing that, I'm not in the story anymore. Yeah, exactly. It just pulls you right out. But uh, do other people feel that, you know, d- technological achievements that they notice when they're watching it? I, or first of all, do they notice them? I mean, obviously, if it's 3D or not, you notice that. But do you notice things like 
the 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 length of the shot or the angle of the shot or anything like that am i really just a, a stupid ignorant person eating popcorn in the dark <laughs> um i don't think that is the case that's for sure i'm i'm just thinking about my own experience i i tend not to notice those things unless it's pointed out to me Right, like when me I too. when I was in film class in college, right, and we were studying mm-hmm. Orson Welles, and then it's like you know you watch the movie the first time and you're like, wow, that's a really good movie, and then the the teacher goes, okay, we're going to watch it again, and now I'm going to tell you all the cool stuff that's happening, and you know that's how you learn to read a film is by right. someone stopping it and going, now look at the way this thing is framed, and you're like, oh, that's really cool, but you know it's not the thing that you you get on the first watching of it, and that for me is actually what makes movies really good is that you can watch them over and over again and you pick up something different each time Mm -hmm. you know and that's when for me I start to appreciate things like framing or the way the shot is composed or you know it's all one take or or something like that but I yeah Mm -hmm. I'm like you I don't pick that stuff up the first time the only time that that I would say I I might notice something is maybe I mean I haven't seen gravity but if I'm watching a movie that's supposed to be set in outer space, like mm-hmm. in reality and not science fiction, and it really looks like it's in outer space, there might be a part of my brain going, that really looks like outer space. I wonder how they did that. But Well, but- yeah, and this this really does look like it, and it really does capture or, or communicate, I think, to the audience, the the total vastness of it, the idea that, Okay, you really are all alone. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's not a question of, you know, well, if you walk 100 miles, you'll come to something. <laughs> no, you know, there's a gas station we passed a while back. There's, you know, none of that. So, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I, I think times when I've noticed uh, technology stuff in movies has been um, when the director wanted you to. So, mm-hmm. the classic example for me is 2001 Space Odyssey. Because mm-hmm. the whole point of that movie was about the technology, right? Like Stanley mm-hmm. Kubrick was basically saying, this is what society is going to be like. Okay, the technology and all that is going to be beautiful and the people are going to be emotionless. So you're supposed to notice the technology and, right. and the, the machinery and the, the spaceships and all that kind of stuff. It was supposed to be the star of the film. And if you didn't notice it, then I think you would miss the point of that movie. Okay. So All but, right. Well, listeners, I really would yeah. like to hear from you. On that, um, either your your response to gravity or your response to to what we're talking about, you know, how do you, how do you watch movies? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's basically what the question is here. Yeah, and I'm realizing lately I watch TV like radio. <laughs> yeah, there are very few television shows that actually require you to watch them. Yeah, that's true. You can pretty much just tell what's happening by listening to them alone. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I... But I got to say, I just watched the most fucked up episode of What Not to Wear. Oh, I haven't seen the new one, so don't tell me what happened. Oh, my God. I put down (laughs) what I was doing and sat down with my mouth open going, oh, my God. Oh, good. Now I've got something to look forward to. Incredible. Incredible. So it's, you know, car wreck will make me set things down and watch television. Um. I don't know if I've mentioned this on the show. Maybe I had in a, sh- a show quite a long time ago. But when I was much younger, um, when Star Trek was on in syndication, mm-hmm. because there were no such things as VCRs, you know, when right. I was a kid, I would sit in front of the television with a cassette player and tape the audio of the episodes. 
Oh, wow, you never told me that. And then listen to them like uh-huh. like a radio show because, you know, I wanted to listen and memorize the dialogue and stuff. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So, that's, that's so cool. Yeah. So that's what I used to do as a kid. And I've read since then that a lot of people did that because uh-huh. they didn't have any other way to do it. So, yeah, that was a yeah. thing just to record it. And then you could listen to it over and over and, and play the episode in your head. And that's why for some episodes... Um, I have the syndicated version so strongly stuck in my head because of listening to the dialogue from the, uh-huh. with the syndicated cuts so that when I watch it with the remastered things and there's no cuts, it's like, what? <laughs> right. Where did that come from? I'm not used to that rhythm. Well, I remember, you're right, it is a rhythm. It's like if you get a record and it's got a scratch on it yeah. and you listen to it enough, the, the rest of your life you're going to wonder when you hear yeah. the real thing why it didn't skip there. Exactly. Um, I remember several years ago on one of the Trek groups that I was in, somebody posted a question about, uh, they seem to remember Kirk saying a certain line in um, Amok Time. Mm-hmm. And and they said, um, and this was before, you know, the, the things were coming out in video then, but it was pre-DVD. And they were saying, did I imagine this, or, or is, did he cut it? And there was this huge discussion, mostly based on that everybody's syndicated version was a little different. Oh, wow. Interesting. Oh. Because this, the, they sent these films or whatever, you know, out to the TV stations, and they cut them for time however they want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember reading that. Yeah, I hadn't yeah, really thought so about that. Yeah, so it was really, you know, it's sort of mind-blowing to find that out. Mm-hmm. That's so cool. Because, you know, some of us are going, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I mm-hmm. remember. And others are going, I never heard of that. <laughs> you, know, you must have read it in a fanfic yeah, or something, really. you know. It's very strange. It. That's funny. Ah, well, um, let's see. Oh, I, so I have a couple of off-topic things to mention, and then um, maybe we can move on to some of the newsy stuff. Okay. So um, this is just funny because, as I have said on this show many, many times, I love it when my worlds collide. So we oh, were yeah. getting ready to watch Star Trek the other night, and um, we were watching Batman, mm-hmm. which is on MeTV, and then Lost in Space, and then Star Trek on Saturday night. Right. So right. we're watching Batman, and um, it's one of the ones with Vincent Price, who's hamming it up like crazy. <laughs> and there's a woman with him, and I'm looking at that, and I'm like, who is that? And then I went, oh! It's Ann Baxter. There's Ann Baxter on Batman. I can't believe oh, it. Wow. I know. And didn't she she play not Pussy Galore? That was James Bond, but some sort of sex kitten person. No, or something? no. She was Olga, Queen of the Cossacks. And <laughs> okay. she was wearing this amazing, like unbelievably orange outfit with this big Mm -hmm. furry orange Cossack hat and she had a terrible Russian accent and she and Vincent Price were the baddies that were in cahoots and it was just so like I couldn't believe that she was there on Batman because I guess they basically had every Hollywood actor who wanted to do something fun and be able to ham it up on television at that time so and the fact that she and Vincent Price were also in the Ten Commandments really made me laugh because (laughs) I have have an obsession with that movie anyway so there you go yes I know Um, so I was watching this and I immediately got on Twitter and I tweeted um, Ann Baxter and Batman as Olga Queen of the Cossacks and I I tweeted to Mike Sterling and Maynard, and I said, why was I not told about this? And so Mike Sterling replies, Adam West's dreaminess makes me forget everything else. Ooh. <laughs> Which I liked. And then Maynard replied, I can only guess we were distracted by Liberace's appearance in another episode <laughs> as fingers. 
Thanks, Mike Sterling, and thanks, Maynard, for replying to me about that. It was nice yes. to know we were sort of all in that together. Uh huh. My, my two yes. experts on Batman. <laughs> oh, and then uh, speaking of Mike Sterling, um, who I, I love unto death because he's just so funny, um, he said something extremely amusing. Let me pull it up now. One second. Ah, no, I closed it. Um, so we talked about the photo novel. In right. the last episode, and, and he puts up on his website, progressiveruin.com, the stuff that he gets from the previews, and the photo novel was in there. So this is what he had to say about it. I would pay one American dollar if this photo comic were to slowly morph the faces of the main characters from their classic 60s era to their reboot versions. And then in quotes, it's Kirk talking, Spock, you're smoother, less craggy. What's <laughs> happened to us? <laughs> Well, you know, there is a, a morph going around the net that I saw of, of Shat, young Shatner into Pine. I know. I've seen that. I've, and those, there's a whole bunch that they've done with the whole crew where they've sort of mm-hmm. put the, the faces together. I think they're creepy. The, the, the Kirk one is interesting because it looks mostly like Shatner to me except for the eyebrows. Yeah. But it's not as beautiful as William Shatner. No, it just no. isn't. It just isn't. But what is? What is as beautiful as William Shatner? Young Let's William have a poetry Sh- contest. <laughs> <laughs> I think that I have never seen <laughs> a poem as lovely as William as Shatner. Shatner. It's true. <laughs> and his butt. And his butt. Okay. Oh, yes. Well, let's do some other newsy stuff because you sent a few very interesting things. Okay, well, let's see. What, okay, let's take a look at William Shatner Appreciation Day. <laughs> yes, I like that. Yes. Now, this came from Wisconsin, <laughs> where they wear cheese hats. They really do, you know, to their baseball games. So here's what it says. God bless William Shatner. Yeah. Stop and smell the roses because someday we won't receive wonderful new gifts of cheese from William Shatner. (laughs) So today, right now, you need to drink a big dose of Shatner and live a little. Mm -hmm. Now, this was written by J. Pat Miller. Mm -hmm. Okay. William Shatner isn't famous because he played Captain Kirk on Star Trek. William Shatner is famous because of who he is and what he did after playing Captain Kirk. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure anyone in the modern American culture knows how to play mass appeal shtick just like him. Think about it. If it was just Kirk that made him a legend, a legend we would all worship Gilligan, too. <laughs> <laughs> very, very true. No, Shatner has embraced the attention from the public to stay in the spotlight. Everyone thinks he's a bad actor who can't deliver dialogue. So what does he do? He creates a one-man show where he is the show, Mm -hmm. and we lap it up. 
He's terrible at dialogue, so he does interpretive songs and story albums. He becomes the heart of a national ad campaign as the negotiator, where he single-handedly negotiates deals for travelers. The spots are so campy, so obviously spoof-tastic, new word, that they are instant classics. Is he self-aware? You bet. My take is that he's like a professional wrestler. Wrestlers are undoubtedly athletes. They've worked their entire lives to build a huge physique for public performance. Unlike football or soccer players, they know they are participating in a farce, a show, a drama. To make money, they knowingly play along with the suspension of disbelief. Shatner has done the same thing in so many ways. His latest performance is a new album out today called Ponder the Mystery. The album is a prog rock collaboration album, the quote-unquote songs, <laughs> feature Shatner opening pondering things like life, time, and the future. It's perfect. Exactly what we want from probably him. him. <laughs> today, I raise my glass to you, William Shatner. I declare today Shatner Appreciation Day in the universe. I'm on board. Yeah, I, I am all on board for it. And I'm looking to see if he has any uh, a comment section, and there seems not to be. Oh, there's, so, there's, a, there's a Facebook comment showing up on my screen here, um, really? which I'll read because it it's a really good comment. Okay. It's from a guy named Marcus Horowitz. Great name. Okay. He says, it's easy to write Shatner off as camp, a joke. It's also inaccurate. I put him in the same class as Nick Cage, a hugely talented actor who loves going off the rails now and again. He's, mm. he's fearless. He sometimes fails spectacularly, and that's part of the fun. But Kirk was a classic, and Shatner's work as Denny Crane was damn near transcendent and it worthy was. of six consecutive Emmy nominations and two wins that Shatner received. And before you mock the music, listen to the Ben Folds produced CD has been a wonderful piece of work. A man doesn't maintain a 50-plus year career just because he's a joke. William Shatner is sui generis, a treasure, and we're lucky to have him. So very true. That's, that's absolutely true. And, you know, I really like the comparison in the article to a professional wrestler, you know, mm-hmm. that, you know, they're athletes and they've build, built a huge physique for public performance. Mm-hmm. And really, that's a lot of what Bill has done. Well, and I kind of think now in the past 10, 15 years, he has kind of uh, merged or morphed these two different aspects of his career. One is the serious actor Mm -hmm. that he was recognized in pre-Star Trek as pre-Star Trek. Um, And the the Captain Kirk thing, which, which was huge, and there are many different interpretations to him as that. But what followed that was those 10, 15 years of bad made-for-TV movies and things like Impulse. Mm -hmm. And those were done for the money to keep working because he has a very, very strong work ethic. Mm -hmm. And I think he has taken that, I'll do anything for the money, and played it sort of very knowingly. And played it so well that people believe, you know, he is shtick. He is a clown. And that's sort of the serious actor part of it, you know, is playing this role Mm -hmm. that he has created, the persona of William Shatner's sort of professional buffoon. Is he joking? Is he not? Mm -hmm. You know, and and to me, there are people who think his whole career is at the level of impulse. Mm -hmm. I know. And he's playing with that. He is. And he's having a good time, and he's also doing some serious stuff. Yeah. I I really, really, really hope that he gets to do some more really quality, serious work. 
yes. before he dies. You know, yes. I, I got to think that there are people out there who can write roles for him or, or craft a role for him that's really dead on serious, you know, mm-hmm. because I love, you know, the Denny Crane stuff where he was serious was fantastic. Some of the, the, oh, it was the, amazing. Some of the over the top stuff was goofy and, and not mm-hmm. as good, but if, if there was a role for him and it doesn't have to be a classic role, it can be something new where he really gets to just be that serious guy. I think that would be amazing. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. So let's hope, let's hope that happens. Let's hope. Yeah. Um, I sent you a picture. Did you get it? I do, and I have it open, yes. Okay, well, here's my comment on that picture. (laughs) Yeah. And then we'll talk about it. Before there was get out of the Kirk light, (laughs) there was, honey, don't put your arm in front of daddy's face. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. To me, that's that's what that was. Um, You want to talk about it a little? Describe it for the... It's a, a picture, listening public. It's a picture from a, um, a photo shoot. I think we've seen bef- many times before, and we but I haven't seen this particular one. I haven't seen this picture. So it's Bill and his family, and it's from um, a magazine right down in the right hand corner. You can see it's called Movie Stars Magazine. Good name. Oh yeah, page forty one. <laughs> yep. And so they're sitting. It looks like on the steps of the house. I see carpeting, and um, mm-hmm. there's the dog there also because bill would never have a family picture taken without the dog well who would (laughs) and uh, he's looking at the camera and his kids are are sitting both at his feet and the oldest one is next to him and she's trying to scratch the dog's head but her arm goes would have gone right in front of his face but he sort of pulled her arm down so her elbow is under his chin and they all look sort of laughing and joking and i gotta say one more time man i'm glad that those girls grew up to be better looking than they were as kids (laughs) Well, the whole picture is a crack up, first of all, because he obviously pulled her arm down yeah. and she's she's laughing about it. The wife looks okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, take the picture. Yeah, take the picture. But the two little girls <laughs> sitting at his feet, one is looking up at the dog and the other one is looking into the camera like the little girl from The Exorcist. <laughs> she, is, it's true. she is so not wanting to be in this picture. Oh man. Oh, those kids. Uh, it's amazing. And like I said, they all grew up to be beautiful women. I have to yes. just say that. Yes. But, but you couldn't tell by looking at them as kids. No, they were ugly little girls, <laughs> which is sad. But, you know, it happens. Nature is sometimes cruel. It's but it's especially ironic when your father is the most beautiful man on the whole planet. Exactly. <laughs> oh, Bill, 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 Bill. So he looks good there. He's kind of laughing. He's got his toupee yeah. on. He looks happy. Yeah. yeah, he looks happy. But man, that little girl. <laughs> she looks angry. <laughs> yep, she sure does. She wanted to go to the birthday party or something. <laughs> something she wanted to do. Where's my cake? I want. You yes. promised me cake and ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'd like to talk about this next story about Star Trek perhaps coming back to TV because I've got yes. a little follow-up to it, which I think okay. you'll be interested in. Good, good. So this was on Trek Today. Um, according to Sky News Entertainment, there is an ongoing discussion regarding the possibility of getting Star Trek back on TV again. Information comes courtesy of Star Trek into whatever, co-writer Robert Orchie. Um, he just told me they've had a meeting with CBS to revive Star Trek on TV. It's only been, it was only a few weeks ago that J.J. Abrams spoke on the matter. What I've been told from 
what I've been told from the powers that be is that they're not interested. That's what Abram said a couple of weeks ago. So who knows if it's true or not, you know, could be gossip. Well, they're idiots if they aren't at least interested. Yeah, I mean, you'd think so. But um, yeah. here's the really cool thing. Over at io9, as soon as that happened, they put up an article in which they said, we've heard encouraging news. There's actual talk of a new Star Trek TV series. With the show's 50th anniversary coming up, the timing for a Trek revival on the smaller screen might be good. But what would mm-hmm. you want to see from a new Trek? And they just opened it up for comments on this. And so a lot of the comments were really good, but there was one in particular that I thought was a really good sort of uh, crystallization of all the things they might need to succeed and also to make it different from all of the other series. Right. So I'm going to read it and I want to know what you think about this. Okay. I'm ready. Okay. So this was a commenter named Dave Gustafson. Hi, Dave. Oh, Dave Gustafson. Yes. I know know his dad. He's got a good (laughs) name. Okay, number, these are 11 points. Number one, set it two, maybe three centuries ahead of any of the past treks. Okay. Number two, no guest appearances by former actors. Yes. Number three, set it out on the fringes of known space. Number four, a small ship suited for exploration and diplomacy, not battle. Number five, a captain that is neither human nor Vulcan, perhaps of an entirely new species. Hmm. Number six, delete next gen's obsession with 19th and 20th centuries. This should be about the future. Yeah. Number seven, the cast of seven or a dozen actors should be the ship's, uh, the small ship's entire crew. Oh. Uh, number eight, humans. That means you can't kill off four or five people yeah, each episode. Exactly. Number eight, humans should be a minority in the crew. Number nine, no Earthborn characters in the crew. Perhaps none of them have nev- have ever even been to Earth. Number ten, if they're the finest ship in the fleet, show us rather than telling us how extraordinary they are. And number eleven, my favorite, forget about the two recent movies. Keep it on the original timeline. That's very interesting. Um, I want to talk about the first point, or I want to ask you a question. Is he saying, he or she... Um, that it should be two or three hundred years prior to like TOS and Enterprise because that's practically the present. No, no, no. I think he's saying it should be. You know, um, what was the the, the last futury trek? Right, it was uh, Voyager. Right. So it should be two hundred years past Voyager into the future. I would almost say be really, really daring and go a thousand years. Yeah, could be. I mean, just. Further ahead, way further yes, ahead. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, I think these are really good points. I, I like this. I like this Trek concept. Um, it would be very, very interesting to see what the public response to a non-human captain would be. Yeah, it would be, wouldn't it? Yeah. I'd like that. I'd really like that. Yeah, that's that's something to really ponder. You'd think that there would be, right? Especially if it's that far into the future. Mm -hmm. You'd think that at some point humans, humanoids even, might not be the the core of Starfleet anymore. Right. That's why I'm saying if they push it out even further. Mm -hmm. So I, I like it. I like the idea of a small ship where you get to know all of the characters on there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like that it's more for exploration, that there's no returning actors and all that stuff. Like, 
yeah, let's just make it totally different. Right, cool. right. Some people in the, the comments following this on io9 pointed out that this is what they were trying to do in Farscape, um, uh-huh. which I thought they did really well. I liked Farscape. I thought that was a really good show. So anyway, I just wanted to mention all that because I thought it was cool, and uh, I would love to know what other people, our listeners, happen to think about mm-hmm. this. If you were to do it, well, how would you do it? Well, you see, I don't know. I'm the wrong person to ask for a couple reasons because, to me, really, there is only one Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And the others are all kind of wannabes. In some way, they're all fan films or fan series mm-hmm. for me. And I have never watched any of them without being disappointed. And the reason I'm disappointed is it's not young William Shatner. <laughs> Unlike so many other people who watched Star Trek for the adventure, for the the idea of the future and all of that. I mean, that was fun, but to me, that was all backdrop to him. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm being totally honest. Mm-hmm. And yep, so I get it. when I, get I first watched TNG, I remember going, okay, who's the Kirk? <laughs> and there wasn't one. And I went, I hate this. And I didn't watch it for like three or four years until a, a friend whose opinion I trusted said, oh, yeah, that first season was crap, and it's gotten really good on its own terms. And I did watch it, and I did enjoy it. But, again, it, it really isn't – nothing on TV has ever been what I watched Star Trek for, which was William Shatner as Captain Kirk. Mm-hmm. So you asked me what would I do, and, and I'd say, well, <laughs> i just keep rerunning those great episodes. <laughs> So, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I know, see that. If there I isn't going to be this incredibly wonderful guy who really, you know, blows my skirt up every time I look at him. <laughs> it's like, okay, it's people in outer space. <laughs> God. Also, um, I want to throw in one other thing. Yes. Star Trek, for all of the William Shatner's hard-ons and everything else, was not an overtly sexual show. Mm-hmm, that's but true. Especially with that damn Enterprise and with Seven of Nine. They mm. got so sexual. I remember in the, the, the premiere episode of Enterprise where they had this totally gratuitous scene where they had to scrub each other down. Oh, yeah. That was terrible. And the, the skin-tight things on the women, come on, let's get past it. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the whole message you're sending is that you cannot be a sexual creature without being, you know, completely out there mm-hmm. on your, your sexuality and the way you dress and everything else. And, and at the same time, they're trying to do that and make it very adult. They're very juvenile and snickery. Mm-hmm. So, um... I, I agree. Well, it's, I mean, it carried over... I think the, the the movies, especially the the most recent movie, was was the total typification of that. I oh mean, yeah! It would you know everything that was that way was completely gratuitous. It was mm-hmm. really bad. Um, so I, I agree with that. I would love to see another Trek series. Um, I enjoyed the other series except for Enterprise very much, um, and I would like to see something good. And I, I like this setup. I think it would be very interesting for all of the reasons that um, David Gustafson set out here mm-hmm. that would make it just different. I remember the one episode of um, Voyager where um, the the doctor gets help from a, a future doctor um, on the a future 
starship sometime in the future. And I can't remember how far it was in the future, mm-hmm. but I thought it was really cool that they jumped that far ahead to say, like, oh, yeah, Starfleet's still going to be around in X number of hundred years. Yeah. And this is what it's going to be like. And I was like, oh, can we see more of that? That looked really mm-hmm. interesting. I'd like to see how that goes. I'd really like to see how that goes. There are some very interesting ideas you could pursue. Um, one might be not getting into the 19th, 20th century thing. But mm-hmm. one might be a series sort of based on the time travel idea. E, um, remember they did an episode in uh, TNG, I believe it was, where people from our era, one of them played the banjo or something. Or a guitar, oh, yes, yes. Where yes, they the, ended uh, up in their period, which is very Mary Sueish. But what if it was people from the TOS TNG era who ended up very far in the future or a person from the very far future who came back to one of those Mm -hmm. eras Mm -hmm. it'd be sort of like voyager in that they want to go home and they'd always have to be super super careful not to reveal all kinds of shit Mm -hmm. um yeah i would almost say they could explore some different aspects of starfleet but i think that was one of the big criticisms of ds9 was at first it didn't have a starship yeah, <laughs> you know, so I don't know that they'd ever go down that road again. Yeah, I think they'd have to have a starship. Yeah, I, I would prefer. Well, I can see that they they would probably take the idea of a person from not our present, but maybe the TOS present, and put them into the far future because that is like a um, you know a scriptwriter shorthand for the the entree into the the unknown world, right? right? You know, we have to follow right. the character that's like us who gets into this crazy world. And, and it would be a way of doing that without having to have the human captain. Right. And and without having to have the exposition police at every corner telling you right. what the hell is going on. Plus, maybe we'd get more of that cool time cop. <laughs> <laughs> That would be cool. That would you know, be really I was cool. really thinking the episode you and I should watch when we're together for Creation Con. Yeah. Should be Trials and Tribulations. Oh, let's watch that. Okay. Let's definitely watch that. Okay, I love that one. It's got the time cop and it's got yeah. Kirk looking beautiful. So, Yep. <sighs> okay, we'll watch that. Okay. And it's got Klingons and everything. Klingons and everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's got my favorite thing, which is when they're looking at Worf and he's looking at the other Klingons and they're like, why don't they look like you? And he says, we do not speak of it to off-worlders. <laughs> and the thing is, I remember um, people being like sort of in a, in a tizzy over how are they going to handle that. You know, brilliant. And, brilliant. and to just say we never speak of it, what I thought was genius. Oh, it's it like that best. great line in action. What time is it? <laughs> it's time. You know. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, so so funny. So yes, um, yeah. Let's watch that one. And and yes, I I like this idea. So listeners. Let us know what, what you think about it, because we'd like to. Um, and speaking of, of things like new TV series, I just have to drop this in here that mm-hmm. I've been watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which is the okay. the Marvel TV show. I think it's fantastic. Oh, okay. It. A lot of people don't like it, but I don't care. I think it's great. <laughs> 
All right. I want to say one more thing, and then we must take our break. Okay. And then we'll be back with um, some stuff about the animated series. And we have the Etsy segment. Yay! After long, long time missing. Yeah. And there's some good stuff. So I just wanted to say, I put this on the blog, but for people who don't check the blog, last time we talked a lot about um, those Minnesota State Fair ribbons with mm. a weird animal mm-hmm. on it. I did some research. And I found out that that's a gopher. It's Fairchild the gopher, who is the official mascot of the fair. And if you go to the Wikipedia page, which I linked to from um, this note here, you will see that they have giant inflatable statues and real statues of Fairchild the gopher all around the fair. And he's creepy looking. He's basically a gopher dressed as a circus barker. He's got like a striped shirt and a. he looks like the music man. He's got a, you know... Straw hat the and a cane. for cast of Music Man. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, after we did that episode, I was thinking, I, I was born in Minnesota. I know this. The gopher is the state animal. Oh, well, there you go. And okay. I think one of the, the big teams, not an NFL team or something, but like one of the state college teams or something, is the gophers. <laughs> so. <sighs> all right. So now we all know it's a gopher. Yeah. It's a creepy gopher. <laughs> Well, you know, I'm not surprised to hear about the statues and everything because, you know, Minnesota is where there is the giant statue of Paul Bunyan and his babe, the blue ox. Oh, yes. I've seen that yes. picture many times. And, the, many, many and, times. Uh, and I have pictures of my family with it. And there's also a, um, a statue several miles away of his girlfriend, Hackensack. <laughs> <laughs> like New Jersey, Hackensack? Yep. Yep. That was That was her name. And they also used to, I don't know if it's still there, I have no idea where it was, but I have pictures of my family, each of us, when when I was, you know, like, I don't know, four or five, there was a giant billboard of a fish leaping out of the water, you know, promoting Minnesota, the land of 10,000 lakes or whatever, right? (laughs) And you could climb up these steps on the back, and on top of the fish was a saddle. (laughs) And you could sit on the fish and have your picture taken. Wow. And we have photos of, of all of us, you know, one by one, sitting on the fish. Oh, you should you should make that um, your new Facebook picture. <laughs> you, you know, there's this thing going on on Facebook, and maybe it's just my friends. It's called Throwback Thursday. Oh, yes, Throwback Thursday. Where people mm-hmm. publish old photos. And if I could find that, I, I probably would do it. I, I would like to see that very much. <laughs> I'd like to see Man. me riding a fish. Yes, definitely. <laughs> I'll have to look when I'm packing things up. Okay, let's take a break. And then we'll come back. Yes. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds. To seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no man has gone before. Talk to us, listeners. We love hearing from you. Send email to lookathisbutt at gmail.com. Leave comments at lookathisbutt.blogspot.com. And don't forget our Facebook page. This podcast produced on a MacBook Pro with GarageBand. So I'd like to start off with yet another this is a disaster. <laughs> I know this is the second time we've said it in this show, but this this really is a disaster. I just I can't believe it. And I, I know that is not a term you throw around lightly. 
No, no. So I, I sat myself down and I wanted to watch another episode of the animated series. And I also wanted to watch the special that's included on one of the discs that's called The Making Of, which was really good. And I'll, I'll talk about that in a second. But first, but first, I was looking at the booklet that comes with it, which is very nice. And here's the description of the episode that I watched, which is called Yesteryear. And it's one of the more famous of the animated series because it was written by D.C. Fontana. I know. I haven't seen it, but I have heard of this yeah. episode. So go it's good. It's, it's quite good. I remembered it very mm-hmm. well. So here's the description. Following a venture with the powerful guardian of forever, Dr. Spock is removed from history. Oh, no. How will we raise all them babies? <laughs> this is like, this is a licensed by Paramount official <laughs> booklet that came with a disc set of episodes. And it says frickin' Dr. Spock. You know, like, I I was just, it really is a disaster, isn't it? I mean. <laughs> okay. Also licensed by Paramount. Years ago on ASC, alt.startrek.creative, which I don't think you hung out on, but I did, um, somebody typed out what was written on the back of a new Star Trek novel that came out. Ooh. And I don't remember what series it was from, but the ship, the crew, was attacked by a rouge ship. <laughs> Not rogue. A rouge. rouge. And somebody wrote... The funniest story about makeup pirates. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, that's awesome. That <laughs> is really awesome. I like that very much. Um, so anyway, yeah, Dr. Spock. And um, then this this is even better. I love this. This isn't a disaster. This is just, it really appeals to the, the Star Trek um, extreme geek in me. Uh-huh. So the, the booklet tells you all about, you know, they give these little summaries and then they give you a little background. And then there's a whole two-page spread about whether the animated Trek is canon or not. <gasps> really? <laughs> isn't that great? They, they just knew that canon? they had to put it in there. Well, it says here... Um, So, whether officially accepted as canon or not, the animated series provides us not only with an entertaining set of Star Trek adventures, it actively adds to the knowledge of Star Trek, our knowledge of the Star Trek universe and the lives of the characters to which we have become so attached. Hmm. In, so let me, let me talk about the episode and then I'll talk about the making of because it bears on this question of canon here. Okay. So the episode's called Yesteryear and the plot is that, um, Mr. Spock... (laughs) Not Dr. Spock, the baby guy. <laughs> they they have this they're doing some research with the Guardian of Forever and something gets fucked up and Spock has to go back in time to fix things because um, history got changed so that he never existed. So he goes back and meets himself as a young boy and um, basically saves his own life in one of those wonderful paradoxes yes. that, you know, you didn't think could happen, but it had happened, so it had to happen again. Mm-hmm. So it's when his um, his younger self does the, the Kazwan ritual, which is where you have to go out into the desert for some unspecified period of time and live off roots and berries, presumably. And so he does, and everything's cool, and then he comes back, and, and things are set back right again. And it's good. It's it's quite good. Um, unfortunately, Bill's not in it very much. But that's okay. <laughs> but Leonard is very good in it. And um, Mark Leonard is in it as Sark, which mm-hmm. is also good. And he's wonderful. Unfortunately, they couldn't get... Um, um, Jane Wyman. 
Jane Wyman to play uh, Amanda, they had to get Majel to do it, and no. she's not very good. You want to hear my impression of Jane Wyman? Oh, yeah. Spark. <laughs> That's good. I like Isn't that. Isn't that good? Okay, go ahead. It's very Hollywood. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's a, it's a really, you know, it's a good little story, and it's very touching because um, in the course of things, um, Spock's pet Lamatya dies <laughs> defending him, which they had actually mentioned in Amok Time that, yes. you know, he had a teddy bear, and, and they show it and everything. So it's, it's good. And I watched it with the... Um, they have commentary by the Okudas, Mike and Denise, right. but it, it's not spoken. It's just little text bubbles, kind of like pop-up video oh, that wow. appears at the bottom. And it's good. And um, it says that uh, when they were putting this episode together, the network was really worried that it was going to be a thing, you know, for kids seeing someone's pet die on screen, essentially. And, you know, they were worried that it was going to upset a lot of kids. And they, you know, the Star Trek people said, look, don't worry about it. It's handled really well. And it is. It's it's really mm-hmm. well done and shows like, of course, in the Vulcan philosophy, every life has an end and you have to accept it. And, you know, you don't want to prolong the life of your poor pet when it's suffering. You should right. just let it go with dignity. So it's, it's all very well done. One thing that cracked me up a lot was that... Um, there's a um, uh, the creature that that attacks young Spock when it makes its roaring noise. Mm-hmm. It's the Godzilla scream. <laughs> <laughs> like it literally is the Godzilla scream, oh, dear. <laughs> which is a little disturbing yeah. if you've seen the Godzilla movies and you're like, what? <laughs> so that was pretty funny. And here's a, a little interesting tidbit was that the voice of young Spock was done by um, the son of the dude who was the producer, Hal Sutherland, mm-hmm. because I, I guess he wanted the part very much. And so um, his son did an audition tape. He spoke the like he had the mm-hmm. script and he did the lines into a cassette recorder. And his performance was so good that that's what they used for the episode. Was his cassette recording? Yeah. Wow. And you can't tell. I mean, it sounds really good, and it doesn't sound like he was a kid practicing lines off a script. He wow. sounds like a real actor. It's really good. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. So um, I like that episode very much. I wish Bill had been in it a little bit more, but that's okay. So on to the other thing, which is the making of. Yes. This was about a half an hour that was devoted to the story of how they got this together and the people who worked on it. And they talked to a lot of the usual suspects. So David Gerald was there and D.C. Fontana was there. And um, the uh, people who write Bill's books for him were there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Whatever their names are, I can't remember. Well, it keeps changing, so. Yeah, they have many names, don't mm-hmm. they? Oh, yeah. The Reeves Stevens, I think. Mm-hmm. Them. Uh, so they were talking about that. And then they talked to the, some of the people who were the producers. And it's funny you mentioned the Archies earlier on <laughs> because the company that did the animation for this, Filmation, also did the animation for the Archies. Oh, my God. Just to tell you. And uh, so they Ponder the t- mystery. Ponder the mystery. <laughs> it all just comes together. It was something that they all really wanted to do, and they wanted it to be a quality product, and they put a lot of work into it. They storyboarded every episode just the way they would with a regular TV show. Mm-hmm. So they were essentially, like, blocking out the shots. Yeah. And and they had amazing, beautiful backgrounds painted, and everybody was really excited about the fact that they got to do stuff that you couldn't do and show aliens that you couldn't in a live-action TV right. show. 
and this was all in 1973, and it actually won an Emmy, which I didn't even know. Now, I think I, I had heard that. Yeah, didn't it, it was, win for script or something? Or? It was for being the best children's show oh, for, for okay. one year. Yeah. So I thought that was cool. Um, let's see. So the, the part, of course, that I wanted to mention is that um, David Gerald, when he was talking about what it was like to do, because uh, he, he was there as one of the producers and helped out, um, having the cast come in to record the lines, he said they all got along really mm-hmm. well, which I thought was good. And he said that Bill is the hardest working man in show business. <laughs> and yes. Bill specifically wanted to be really true to the original show, so he put a lot of work into his lines, and every time they asked him if he could do another take, he could always do another take. Of course. And he just wanted to get it right. Yeah. He was, he was given 110%, and I just thought, yay, that's yeah. so nice to hear. Because I've heard so many times over the years with the animated series, people saying that the actors didn't care, uh-huh. and that they were, like, doing a half-assed job of it because it was a piece of shit, and they really didn't give it, you know. And to hear people say otherwise, people who were actually involved in the mm-hmm. show, like they were writing and producing it, to say that... The actors really did care. Yeah. And that they did give a lot of effort and they wanted to make it a good quality product. That's really nice. I yes. like to hear that. Yes. So, especially about Bill. Of, I of that course. Was good. Of course. Um, there, someone mentioned that there was a review in the, the Los Angeles Times about it. And, you know, as they did at that time, they would give the rundowns on like the cartoons that were happening on Saturday morning mm-hmm. and the writer compared Star Trek to all the other Saturday morning cartoons as a Mercedes in a soapbox derby which I thought was a really nice metaphor. Wow, yes, yeah, that is yeah. nice. And I had forgotten that there is an episode which I must watch called The Lorelei Signal in which Uhura takes command of the Enterprise. <gasps> oh, so, wow. Yeah, I really want to see that. Yes. Because of course she should. She always should. Yes. So it was a really interesting little documentary, and um, obviously the people who worked on it were all so proud of what they did and so excited to get the chance to work on Star Trek. The weird thing is that they don't really talk about why they stopped making it, and I thought, I have to research this some more, but I thought... um, One, they ran out of money because Mm -hmm. it was a very expensive show to make. They spent so much time, six weeks on each episode, which is like a hell of a lot of time for a Saturday morning cartoon. Yes. And then I thought by the time they got to the end of it, um, there was starting to be some more interest in putting Star Trek back as a TV show. Mm. Am I misremembering that? I don't know because I never really followed animated series or what was going on or anything like that. Um, My my Trekkiness was in a latency period. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. But I I thought that they were starting to float ideas for what became the unproduced Star Trek II, Mm -hmm. like in the mid-70s before they decided that they were going to make a movie. Yeah, I I, I know that that went on at some point, but I don't know how that impacted the animated series. All right. Well, I will definitely have to do some more research to find out about it. Okay. But I'm enjoying this. It's fun to watch them. They're good. Good. They're goofy, but they're good. Okay. So, do you want to do Etsy? Yes. Yes, I'm ready for Etsy. I'm ready to click on these links. Okay. So, let me get the first one. And, of course, these are in order. Good. So, let's see. The very first one, um, and I've put some editorial comments here. The very first one is um, 
something really cool, because I like to start off with a really cool one. And these are Star Trek retro posters. Now, these are very different from um, the Ortiz posters, although some mm -hmm. of them are similar in style. So they're, um, how to describe them, they're, they're put on paper that's made to look old. Mm -hmm. So if you look at each individual one, they look like they're paper that's, I don't know, come through the war or something. Right. You know, the edges are kind of crinkled and they're a little bit stained. So they look like they might be really old. And then they're very iconic. The Enterprise is on a beautiful blue star background, but it's just white. It's like a, a cutout of mm -hmm. it. And they've also got some, um, there's one that's got the Klingon uh, starships there. That's on a green background, which I think is kind of nice because yeah. it's a nice contrast with the Enterprise one. And I just think they're really kind of cool and elegant. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's some planets in them. Sometimes the Enterprise is big. Sometimes it's small. Sometimes it's near a planet. Sometimes it's far away. But, of course, you look at it and you immediately recognize it as what it is. Right. Like, you know, that's kind of all you have to show is that it's the Enterprise mm -hmm. cut out. Yeah. So I, I like it. It is cool. And this is from um, a shop on Etsy with the stupid name, sorry, but it's Dorktastic Designs. Oh. They're not Dorktastic. No. They're really good. They're really cool. Yeah. yeah. So, anyway, go check those out. They're cool. Okay. All right. Now, the next one is weird. <laughs> and I can't remember if we've talked about <laughs> oh this Oh, my God. <laughs> we did talk about this because I thought it looked like, um, is it Robert Conrad? <laughs> I don't understand it. I still don't understand it. Um, and if we have talked about it, forgive us, listeners, but it struck me all over again when I was looking at it. It's a, a very nice um, painting. I guess it's a painting um, of William Shatner in, in sort of classic Kirk pose. But his head is really big. Yeah. You know what it so is? Big? It's kind of the same sort of exaggeration that they they do of characters in Mad Magazine. It is exactly like that. And I was just wondering like why would you go to so much trouble to make the rest of it so beautiful with like the shading and everything and then mm -hmm. make him have this really big head like he's got encephalitis or something. I don't know. Oh god. Isn't that weird? Yes. So I call that one Captain Big Head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very appropriate name there. All right. Um, now, here was the thing. Unfortunately, um, I looked at it, and then when I sent you the link, I, I opened it up again tonight, and um, it's gone Darn. from there. But it, let me tell you about what it was, because maybe the guy will put it back up. Um, he, he's a guy who makes replicas of collectible items. Okay. And when I first looked at it, I thought, oh, this really is a collectible item. And then I read the description, which was incredibly detailed. And it said, no, 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 I, I make replicas of these things just so you don't think that this is the real thing. Um, and his name is Creative Pal. And what he was making was a, a replica of a box of Star Trek bubblegum from England. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I was like, wow, that is majorly specific. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, like, okay. And I didn't know that stuff like that was really collectible, but I guess it is. And, and I didn't even know that they sold them that long ago because it looked like it was original series stuff, mm -hmm. um, not... Uh, so did he actually know, make gum or did he make the wrapper? He just made the box oh, with okay. the, the wrappers, yeah. So let me read you the description of um, 
what he did for some another. So he makes these things for all kinds of different shows, um, and this one is for The Outer Limits. So he says, um, I have created um, a, a reproduction of the original box with a plex box inside surrounded by a film that has the image of the three top packs of cards giving the box the illusion of being full. So it, it's like a an optical illusion of a full box of mm-hmm. cards and gum. And he just likes to make it. He said, I will be making them from different boxes and wax wrappers that I can get my hands on. So he just likes to make these things. He's done one for Hogan's Heroes. He's done one for (laughs) Gilligan's Island. Okay. Land of the Giants. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's done a whole bunch. Brady Bunch. He's done Uh Brady Bunch as well. Bewitched. He's just really, really into making these. And he charges a lot of money. They're like $125. Well, you know, if they're really good, you know, I mean, detail would work. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, people uh, will th- pay it. You they're know. beautiful. Yeah. Um, so here's another description. This is for um, the Brady Bunch one. He says, in addition to all the wonderful, the other wonderful creations in my shop, I always strive to offer gum card enthusiasts <laughs> something to dazzle the hearts of those like myself who simply can't afford originals of the scarcest of gum card boxes. And that's if they ever surface in some high-end auction that we can't even afford to view on our computer screens, much less consider participating in. We drool, creating puddles at our feet while some Hollywood big shot picks up that which inhabits only our dreams for a mere $100,000. <laughs> So, apparently, people are selling these gum card boxes for, like, $100,000. It's crazy. But, you know, you can get them from this guy for 125 mm-hmm. bucks. So, he had one that was for Star Trek, but alas, no more. Maybe he'll make another. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, the next one, um, which I've cleverly titled, I didn't know they were an item, <laughs> is <laughs> you can buy Star Trek and superhero custom-themed wedding cake Hopper, bride and groom, wood peg doll, and they've paired Captain Kirk and Wonder Woman. Oh my goodness. I don't know why. <laughs> um, as far as I know, they never got together, but maybe you know differently. No, no, I was not aware of that. Um, there's another one with, uh, I'm scrolling now, with Batman uh-huh. and some anonymous woman. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of them. So basically, you can get them in sort of traditional bride and groom. You can get them with one of them being a superhero or whatever, mm-hmm. and you. <laughs> so you you can be either the bride or the groom. So it can be Batman and you, or um, you know Wonder Woman and you as the groom, or whatever. I mean, I, I suppose. It, it can be anything. It can okay. be two men, two women. Or they've got one down here, which is two people and a pet, which happens to be, I think, a penguin in this case. <laughs> That's what it looks like to me. Oh, maybe yeah. it's a cat. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. But, um, so the thing that I found most interesting, though, is the fact that it says it's superheroes, and it's a picture of Captain Kirk. Hey. <laughs> is he a superhero now? Well... Got incredible, I'm fine with it. Incredible totally powers and charm it. and hotness. I mean, it's. I'm fine. It's totally fine. Yeah. I just need to know if he's now a superhero because <laughs> it's important to know these it, things. It really is. And just to describe these a little bit more, they're they're very weird looking. The man one is like a a, a peg with a ball on top, mm-hmm. and then the woman one is is sort of a 
I don't know. It's a triangular shape. It's bigger at the bottom yeah. with a little ball on top. And then they're painted very, not they're not crude, but they don't simply. have features. Very simply. So they yeah. just have two little dots for eyes and no other facial features. And then the costuming is, is very simply done. I mean, they're cute. Mm-hmm. I think they're really cute. I wouldn't pay 70 bucks for no. them, but um, they are cute. So anyway, there you go. Captain Kirk and Wonder Woman. Someone write fanfic about that. <laughs> I'm sure it's out there. I'm Did sure you know there. there is um, erotic uh, dinosaur porn? <gasps> no, I don't. I, really... I just read one sentence about it, and I went, "Nope, I'm not even going looking for this. <laughs> don't want to know." Dinosaur porn, huh? Yeah. Well, they do My Little Pony porn, so <laughs> not that I read any of that, just to make that you know, really, really um, clear. <laughs> I, I saw a little thing on, on TV. I think there's a documentary coming out about all these people who are totally into My Little Pony and aren't little girls. Do you know what they're called? Bronies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I knew that. Well, I didn't. Our good friend Logan told me all about that. Oh, a long time okay. Ago. All right. Well, good for Logan. He's funny. Oh, speaking of um, <laughs> fanfic, I just have to read this. I tweeted this today. Maybe you saw it or didn't see it. Uh, your so, stuff never shows up for me. Oh, I don't know. Well, Benedict Cumberbatch, or or Mr. Cumberbund, as we call him, did uh, an AMA on Reddit. So people were flinging questions at him right and left Mm -hmm. today. And someone sent him this question, which he wanted to answer. And I thought his answer was brilliant. So someone said, um, do you, Matt Smith and Tom Hiddleston, have cheekbone polishing parties? (laughs) This is his answer. We like nothing better than buffing our zygoma. Which is the medical term for cheekbones. Wow. And then he says, and imagining a horny, time-traveling, long overcoat, purple scarf-wearing, super sleuth, Nordic legend fuck fantasy. Get to w- <laughs> and then he says, get to work on that, internet. <laughs> that is great. And the comment right below it said, speechless. <laughs> Benedict is prompting the internet, Sherlock, Loki, Loki, Dr. Threesomes. There's literally art being created right now over this. <laughs> of course there is. So he said it, so therefore it has to happen. Yes, yes. I love it when the actors get into the spirit of things. That is really so funny. funny. Mm-hmm. So coming to a theater near you, oh boy. Doctor Who and and uh, Sherlock and um, Loki, Avengers, Loki. Yep. Okay. There you go. Okay. So now, speaking of Doctor Who, there's a nice segue into this next thing. Okay. You can buy um, these very amusing <laughs> prints and posters for um, boxing matches, and the very first one happens to be Captain Kirk versus Doctor Who, or the Doctor, more properly. Can I ask? Um, does the dog with the um, boxing mitts and glasses and necktie come with this? I don't think so, which Darn. is sad. It would be good if he did because he's awfully cute. Um, and these are, are takes on, uh, it says, sort of British uh, posters, boxing mm-hmm. posters. So they look kind of old-fashioned, like they might have been printed a long time ago. And there's a typo um, in the very first line. Really? The fight of the century. Uh. <laughs> Ah, that's amusing. Um, and it's a nice picture. Kirk holding a gun and Matt Smith as the doctor. Come and see the action. Second start to the right and, and straight on, Dalectricity. <laughs> 
And my comment in this was no contest. Oh, really? Really? And we know who's going to win this. I yes. do like that little dog, though. He has nothing to do with anything, but nope. he's a cutie. It's very cute. So they're fun, and they've done a whole bunch of other ones. Um, it's, who is this? Chewbacca versus a Cyberman or something. Mm, I don't know. Okay. Do- Dalek versus Dalek, and just goofy stuff like that. But I liked Captain Kirk versus the Doctor. Well, yeah. All right. Moving right along. This Here's next one totally one. intrigues me. I haven't even looked at it yet, but what you titled it has... It's, a, it's what it is. It's so... <laughs> I don't understand it, but it's kind of cool. So it's a series of um, paintings on acrylic of main Star Trek characters. So there's Kirk, Spock, uh, McCoy, Sulu, and Uhura. And um, they're fairly well done, like stylized-looking paintings. And in each one of them, they're all looking at a piece of nice, crispy bacon. Floating around. Floating in space in front of them. And all of them it's, have this... L- it's space bacon. Space bacon. And they all have this look on their face like, what the hell is this? <laughs> yes. I'm <laughs> puzzled. Except I'm, Spock is giving it the Vulcan greeting. <laughs> but even he is looking at it like, I don't get this because his brow is sort of furrowed. Sulu looks a little surprised. Ohura looks very, very concerned. She does. And, and McCoy looks really grumpy about it. Oh, yes, yes. And, and, and Kirk, Kirk looks, looks like he's going to make a speech to the bacon in about two <laughs> seconds about why it can't take over his ship. <laughs> he does. That he loves like a woman. That he loves like a woman. It's so weird. And then the description, if you click through to any of the individual paintings, okay. it, all it says is bacon. <laughs> That's it. That's the only description. Item details. Okay, bacon. I want to bring up something that is as puzzling to me. As the, the, this bacon thing, and I didn't put it on the show list because I was so puzzled by it. But it's this this artwork, you know, artwork version of, of Shatner going, mm-hmm. but um, in one of them, he's holding four kittens. And <laughs> I haven't he, seen that. And he's screaming, <laughs> kittens! And in another one, it's muffins! And I don't get it. I don't get it either. Listeners, do you get it? Now, Maybe you can, now you can have muffins and space bacon, I guess. I guess. Okay. Um, note that each of these are $250. <gasps> yeah. Jesus. Have a picture of Kirk glaring at a piece of bacon. I could just take a picture of Kirk and tape a piece of bacon on it. <laughs> I like... <laughs> Sorry, I'm just noticing this now. So they've titled, whoever's done this, I don't know who it is, um, has titled each of them, right? So the Kirk one is called Kirk Acrylic on Masonite. Mm-hmm. Sulu's is called Sulu Acrylic on Masonite. Um, McCoy's is called Crew's Getting Fat. <laughs> I don't know why. And Spock's is called Howdy. Howdy? He's making the Vulcan peace sign, and he's saying howdy to a piece of bacon. Well, and and Uhura's saying, "Oh my," and that's she looks. That's a Sulu line. It is, but she does look like she's sort of saying, "Oh my." Yeah, but I don't think Spock's saying howdy. Do you know what picture of Spock that is? It's the same uh, picture they used for um, Spock on the cover of Breakfast Cereal. Oh, I, can't I think, think of the you're name right. Of it, though the Breakfast yeah, Cereal, but it is cornflakes, or whatever. You're yep. absolutely right. Yep. Okay, that's really sad and pathetic that I know that. Okay. So. 
Bacon. 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 Okay, that's weird. All right, now we're getting down to the bottom of the barrel here. All right. So That's okay. where we find the really good crap. Oh, okay. my God, this is scary. <laughs> so, the next one. I I don't really get this. Um, I just thought it was creepy. So, these are supposed to be salt and pepper shakers. Oh, is that what they're supposed to be? Yeah, and what someone has done is... Um, Pulled the heads off their Mego figures, yes. which makes, makes me really sad because I love those little guys. They're so cute. And they've jammed them into some, uh, I don't know what the hell this stuff is, some kind of clay or acrylic uh-huh. or whatever, molded to just the tops of their shoulders and then painted. And then underneath, they're on these lumps of clay and they've got their names sort of scratched into it like it's been done with a... <laughs> An exacto knife or something. Did you see what the materials are this is made of? Um, yeah. Acrylic paints, Mod Podge. I don't know what that is. Me neither. Glass shakers, MC toy heads, Das Air dry clay, acrylic glitter paint. Oh, yeah. It's the acrylic glitter paint that really does it. Oh, me. well, yeah. And I like that their, um, their neck piece is kind of like mufflers. Yeah, and <laughs> and they're look how long Kirk's head is. <laughs> well, I was just gonna say that it's like it's like somebody stretched him out. I it's know. terrible. Oh man. Oh, it's it's really bad. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Um, it says the busts are cover for the shaker's steel caps, and the bases are the shakers. So I guess you take the top part off, like mm-hmm. the the uniform with the little insignia part, and then the bottom part has the salt or the pepper in it. For some reason, I am just so enjoying the, the one picture where they're turned to face each other because it so desperately needs <laughs> snarky speech bubbles or something. Oh, it's just not good. It's so it's not like good. It's like, Captain, I told you we shouldn't go to the condiment planet or something. <laughs> really? And, and then... <laughs> Yeah. Oh, boy. It, or it should have Kirk saying, like, this is another fine mess you've gotten us into. <laughs> exactly. And then in the next one, they're turned away, and it's kind of like the end of the cartoon or the show, and you expect them to sort of wobble away into the sunset. <laughs> yes. <laughs> definitely. Most definitely. Oh, my goodness. Okay. That's so bad. Uh, that's pretty bad. But the next one is absolutely my favorite, and it's just so funny. Okay, let me get it open. Spock. Okay, it's a flower pot with Spock's face on it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he looks so pissed off. Oh I swear to God. God, yes, indeed. So it's a flower pot, a little flower pot, and they painted it so that Spock's face is on it. And, you know, the, the lip of it that goes around the edge is black, and that's his hair. Mm-hmm. And then the um, pan, the dish that goes underneath, is painted blue, just like his uniform. And he just has the nastiest, meanest, most pissed-off expression on his face. Oh, he does. And he doesn't even yet have flowers growing out of his head. No, can you imagine? Oh my God! I just was laughing out loud at how annoying oh my he looked God. at being turned into a flower pot. <laughs> <laughs> there is some children's story where people get turned into flower pots. Really? Yeah. Oh goodness! Oh my uh, goodness! 
it's just too funny. Okay. So, and he he just looks. Oh, my goodness. And he looks even more annoyed if you scroll through the, the little pictures at the I bottom. I did, one yes. It's taken at more of an angle, mm-hmm. like looking up from, and, and man, does he look mad. Oh, he Can does. Can you imagine having that in your house, glaring at you every day, <laughs> like with your little begonia in it or something? Like, oh. Okay, here's what it says, though, under item details. Live long and prosper, plants. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, my God. Uh, a great addition to any Star Trek collection. Uh, no. No. But uh, interestingly, I'm pretty sure that this is the same person who did those Star Trek ornaments that we it talked is, about. It is, because it says right there, also check out our brand new classic Star Trek painted ornament set. Yeah, the the round ones yes. with the, the sort of stretchy faces. Yep. So anyway, oh, yep, there's wow. old Spock being a, being a flower pot. Poor guy. <laughs> Well, I'm certainly glad that we had an Etsy segment. Oh, yeah. It was great. And as as I said many times before, it was page three when I started to hit the good stuff. (laughs) There's something about it. Ponder the mystery. Ponder the mystery. Is that our new catchphrase now? Yeah, I think so. I still like this is a disaster better, but... Well, you know, different uses for different occasions. That's right. That's right. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, my goodness, we've been talking for an awfully long time. Yes, so let's just quickly remind people that Creation Con is coming up. Yes, we have the banner on our, our blog now mm-hmm. with all the information on it. If you should need to find it, it's there. Yes. So, um, we'll have another show coming up sometime soon. I think we'll have time for at least one more show before the actual con happens. Well, I hope so, cause I've got, but I've got some big events coming up. So yes, this is true. Life, well, could, well, life could get lifey. All right, we'll try to squeeze it in. So don't forget, keep looking at our blog, look at the Facebook page, look at what we're doing on Twitter, because things are always happening. Yeah. We're busy, busy, busy. In the meantime, ponder the mystery. Ponder the mystery. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon. Bye. Bye.